We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another segment of The Connection. I am one of your hosts with you this morning, Ann Baldwin. And I am Lisa DeMattis Lapori from The Connection. It's great to, to be here again. You know, it was interesting. I was talking to, and he's listening this morning, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him out on this, all right? Yeah. Mike McGarry. And Mike is known all over Hartford. He's got Hartford News, which is a great publication. And he's a big supporter of Hartford. And he goes, you know, I get up every Sunday and I listen to that show that you gals are on. I don't really need the advice because I don't have some of those problems, but I listen. That's awesome. Isn't that great? That's terrific. And I explained to him, well, I said, you know, you might not have some of the issues that we talk about or more importantly need some of the support that we talk about, but one day you might run across somebody who does and now you've got all this information and, you know, it's kind of like meetings, you know, the the 12-step meetings. Every now and then when my daughter's in town, she'll go with me and she goes, you know, I could get used to going those because I think everybody needs Mm -hmm. that kind of advice and that kind of direction in life, whether you're in recovery or not. I think that's that's what the show is all about. Exactly. What? So, Mike, we're happy you're one of our listeners. Yeah, Mike. Shout out to Mike. No more complaining. Spread the word about how great this show is. Tell people to get out of bed or maybe they're just getting home. Who knows? <laughs> right? <laughs> or we don't care. Or night shift. Night shift, second shift, or that would be third shift. I that would think. be third shift. Yeah. Third shift, I know. I used to work third shift. It's stunk. I was going to say another word, but I won't. Anyway, great show today. and um, we're I'm excited. S- I am too, and you're especially excited because you have a special connection, I and we'll, we'll talk about that. And Jennifer Sansabrino is with us. Jennifer, thanks so much for being on the program, and I know you're going to share your story, and, and that's what we like on this program, our real-life stories of what it was like and where you're at today. So exactly. again, welcome. Why don't you start with where were you at, Jennifer? How, how come you're on this program? Well, thank you guys for having me, first and foremost. Um, You know, I had reached a point in my life quite a few years ago that uh, desperation took me to a place where I felt like there was no other option for me but to continue to use drugs. Um, In the middle of that, I I found myself pregnant and at that point kind of isolated myself because I didn't think that I could be what a mother needed to be. But um, like any good addict, I sat in denial until... uh, I found some sort of solution, and I ended up at the Halley House, which was a godsend for me. Um, you know, my daughter was born addicted to drugs, and it was a long road, and um, a lot of forgiveness on my part, and a lot of uh, amends on my part, and when I went to Halley House, I began to heal, and kind of learn how to be a mother, but at the same time, how to be an addict in recovery, to do things differently, to uh, kind of give my daughter a better way of life. And for the first time, when I got to that program, I kind of felt a part of something bigger than me. Um, and that's kind of how it all began. You know, and it's interesting, Lisa, because as you know, now you're the CEO of The Connection, but back then, 
Hallie House was was a project that you were hired at the connection to really kind of formulate and everything from programming yeah. to so, yeah. decorating. Just to digress quickly, and then of course, yeah, I want to talk to Jennifer. But what brought me to the connection was an ad in the paper looking for a director for the Hallie House, which was under construction in Middletown. It was a beautiful house in a residential neighborhood, and um, so I was hired when it was under construction and was able to you know write the policy and hire the staff and get it going and um, so it's very near and dear to my heart because really at that time when we opened it in 1991 it was the only women's residential program in Connecticut for um, pregnant substance abusing women and it was one of a kind and what it did is broke down obviously the barriers for women to come in to bring their children in and to um, exactly what Jennifer said you know learn how to deal with the issues in your recovery and also learn how to parent at the same time and not lose your child so when I hear you Jennifer say that it really is a, a wonderful because we're talking about 1991 opening till today and um, I'm really grateful that you went through um, went through the program so tell us getting back to you of course tell us um, had this been the first treatment um, experience for you or did you have treatment um, experiences prior to Hallie? I have been um, at that point in my life probably in 10 facilities prior to that um, I was one of those people that would use and use and then I'd go to treatment get clean for a little bit and do it all over again um, you know I grew up in an environment where my parents didn't let me pay any consequences because I was their little girl and they wanted better for me and um, you know, it wasn't until, like, I had to start paying consequences that I really stuck around and started to do things the right way. But I say that because I think that um, having my daughter kind of, like, I couldn't use guilt-free anymore. <laughs> like, there was always that, like, um, bug in my ear that, like, you know, I brought a child into this world. I, I should kind of uh, grow up to take care of her. And I didn't, you know, when it came down to it, I didn't have the faith that I could clean or not clean. So um, when I went into treatment that time, you know, plus, as you as you mentioned, it kind of set the stage like I could bring her with me. Exactly. So I didn't have to I couldn't use that as an excuse like, oh, I don't want to leave my daughter, even though I'm not the best for her in that mindset. Like I was able to bring her with me and work on it while she was there and still form that bond with her and um, kind of grow. And the support that I received there was nothing like I had ever received in a different treatment center from clients to staff members alike. I mean, it was a beautiful experience, and I'm grateful that that experience is available for women because I think as mothers it's very difficult for us to, even if we're not in the best mental state, to actually make that step to leave our children to go get help when that's really what we need to do. It's hard to do it. Exactly. And that was really the premise of why that program started was to break down the barriers so that women could parent their child and work on their issues all at the same time. So I'm really um, so grateful that you're here to talk about your experience. So let me ask you, Lisa, as, as you developed the programming and in 1991, you know, today it's like not in my backyard, right? And you talk about... A oh, we went through all of that. Yeah, you talk about a residential community it, back in 1991. I can't even imagine. But talk a little bit about when you developed these programs at Halley House. 
what are they? I know they're for women that are with children or expecting children. Pregnant, but postpartum. Pregnant, postpartum. Okay, so substance abusing. Do they live there? They live there. It's beautiful. They all have, the house is really lovely. They all have their own room and they can keep their child obviously in their room. Um, they're also with other women in the house that are, have gone through the same experience, are going through the same experience that they are. So there's, you know, a schedule of what time they're, you know, getting up and chores and groups and they have an individual counselor that, you know, talks with them and works through their issues and they go to outside meetings and eventually they, you know, once if they're following the rules and doing everything they need to do, you know, besides obviously, you know, parenting class talking about relapse prevention, doing individual work on, you know, what their issues were with We go back to meeting them where they're at. Exactly. Going to outside meetings, right? They have, you know, they can go to church services if they want. But it's something about magical, and you tell me what you think, Jennifer. It was some something magical that I saw in every community. Because remember, I, you know, like I said, those are my roots there. I always saw in every community this amazing bond that developed between the women who were there. Um, they, because they, I think for once, they really started to trust other women because that seemed to be an issue. Their children were in a safe environment, and so were they. And they were able to work things through with other people who understood where they were at, and it was a really caring environment. So what I saw was women come together for the first time you know, and really build relationships that they never had. They'd go on, I mean, I can remember when, and I don't know if this happened with your community, Jennifer, because of course every community is, a, you know, very different, but people would like miss each other and wonder what they were doing on pass or wanted to come back earlier to be in a safe, what felt safe to them. Yeah, it's a, it, and there you go, it's that peer support, right, that's right. so important. So Jennifer, you, you talked about, I have a couple of questions. It's, it's the old reporter in me. I want to start with, so you said that you, you, so you continued using during your pregnancy and that your daughter was born addicted? Correct. Um, at about six months into it, I uh, ended up going on substitution medication. Um, it, it's just the way the cards fell as far as time-wise, and so she was actually born um, uh, with Subutex in her system, so I had to go through the withdrawal at... Um, UConn at the time, that was the one hospital that was familiar with that as opposed to methadone. Mm-hmm. Um, so she went through all that and um, thank God, I mean, she's she's perfect today. You, you'd have no idea. And, um, you know, I also think it's important to say that I ended up losing custody of her throughout my active addiction and it took two and a half, almost three years of uh, being clean and in recovery to get her back. So it wasn't all you know, rainbows and butterflies at that point, it took a lot of work, but I, I learned, like uh, Lisa was saying, you know, I did have that experience with the other women there. I think what kind of bonded us was the fact that we were broken, but we were trying, exactly. you know, and um, I think that people in recovery in general, unless you have a child that was born into this disease, may not know that element of it. It's very difficult to explain, but it's almost like a part of you is that you you wonder if you could ever fix it i think that i don't know if it's women or women in recovery or maybe even just people in general but i've even now having had my daughter back for a long time um i question my parenting i question whether i'm what's best for her and i think that at that point i was around people with common fears and it helped me kind of push through those fears and and live with a little bit of courage how old is she today she's seven 
Oh, that's wonderful. And what, you know, I, you know, I see these things on news and in programs. I mean, and as a person in recovery, you know, uh, my, my alcoholism really hit me when I was 50. So my kids were grown, right? So I know the guilt that I feel even today, putting them through, you know, me figuring it out and me finding recovery. But what does it feel like as a mother to see your newborn child go through withdrawals and have to go through that process because of something that you did to yourself that ultimately did something to them? Well, you know, that was something like you, you'd think that after seeing that, you'd be like, oh, I'm never using again. Like you'd think that would be the, the common reaction to that. But I remember seeing it and having it be so painful to see that the, my immediate reaction was to leave and go use because that's how I dealt with pain. Mm. Um, you know, I acted in guilt and over, tried to overcompensate in other ways, material, materially, um, attention-wise, whatever I could to try to make it up to my daughter years later, like this most recent time around. But, um, you know, and I, I've heard you mention meetings, and that's the way that I maintain my recovery. I'm very active in a 12-step fellowship um, and everything that it stands for and everything that it believes in. And it wasn't until I did some step work and some work on myself and got through my fourth step that I was reminded that, like, I have the disease of addiction, not a moral deficiency. Right. And that in my right state of mind, I would never have caused that harm to myself or especially this little girl. But, um, you know, I think for a long time and um, people who are educated on the disease understand and people who live the disease understand, but... People that don't, I think, look at this as a choice when for a very long time, including while I was pregnant, I, I used against my will. I woke up in the morning and felt like I had no other choice. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful today that I don't have to use against my will and that I never have to use again, which I, I feel confident in through my my being active in a 12-step fellowship. And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Jennifer Sansabrino and you know, it's so courageous and so admirable, Jennifer, because like you, I believe in putting a face and a voice on my recovery because we can't help people out there if we're not open and honest about it, right? Yep. So, Hallie House, how long were you there? How long were were you in that program? And then how did it prepare you to get out into the real world? Because I know for like me in my recovery house, that was only 28 days, but Obviously, I've got to stay sober for 28 days. It's what you do after that that really makes a difference, right? Absolutely. So I was at um, in the program for about seven months. And, you know, um, while I was in the program, I also, my mom was um, battling breast cancer. And I think that's important to note because um, the support that I felt at that facility was beyond just the recovery and the motherhood. Like those women and um, staff there kind of helped me up through that and my mom would come over after chemo and they were very supportive of that um, with that said I think that um, one of my struggles with the program was that I kind of got this idea in my head that I was going to stay clean get a job get put, get put in a nice apartment by supportive housing and all was going to be well I forgot that when I left, like, I needed to follow up with the meetings, and that was all me. Like, it was drilled in my head in the connection in the Halley House, but I really thought that if I fixed the outside, the inside would just kind of follow along. So I ended up going to do a little bit more research uh, almost a year out, and um, thank God made it back. But at the same time, like, I think that... um, 
I spent a lot of time while I was there focusing more on what I needed to fix to have it look okay as opposed to the work I needed to do on the inside to maintain it to be okay. So you're saying, Jennifer, that you, you relapsed? Correct. Correct. That, that's what she meant by doing a little more, and you guys probably know that, cause, but I, you know, it's one of those terms where, and you know, I've learned to, as someone who's re- relapsed myself, I've learned to, you know, accept that, that it's okay, you know, and it's not only okay, I mean, you don't ever have the goal of, well, I want to relapse, right? That's never one of our goals, but people understand it, because if you do the research, the number of people, whether it's drugs or alcohol, the number of people who relapse, you know, sometimes I see in meetings people who've been clean and sober 20 years that have a That's relapse. True. Yeah. So you, you've got to, you know, you've got to give yourself credit for the time that you did put to Halley House that I'm sure were part of the foundation that helped you get back on your feet and keep it straight for a while. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, um, you you just said it. Like, so I'm, I... In July, God willing, I'll have five years. Yay! That's great. Yeah. Congratulations. You know, thank you. But the the irony in it all is I am floored by that. Like, it's not like it's a natural thing for me. It, it is more natural now. But there's some mornings I wake up and I'm like, I can't believe I haven't used any mind or mood-altering substance in that long. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that's, that's the reality that I live in. And I also just think it's important to say, like I did mention, I'm in a 12-step fellowship. And if I'm asked to speak at a meeting, I always mention that I used while I was pregnant because I think women are ashamed of it. Yeah. And yes, I'm ashamed of it, but I think other people need to hear that they are not alone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I stay clean even in spite of that fact every day. And my daughter is amazing in spite of that fact every day. And I think that people, especially um, women in recovery, need to hear that hope. So I make it a point because when I first came around, I didn't hear a lot of people talking about that, and I needed to. So I've made it a point to be the one that mentions that because I never want a woman to walk into a 12-step fellowship meeting and feel like she is not a part of Mm -hmm. for that reason, you know? I think that's really important to share your story and the struggles and the reality of it because I think you can get really complacent. And, and, you know, they always say that relapse is only a drink or drug away, and I think it's really Mm -hmm. true, you know? um, Absolutely. Right? Because life is really hard and things come up, and it's like with anything. It's always easy to, it's, you know, one decision you make, Mm -hmm. right? It's one decision, small decision away. So I think that's key. Um, How is your life now? As compo- as yeah, what's it, it like? Yeah, what's what? I mean, you know, life is difficult, right? Let's just like say it for what it is. But compared to how it used to be, how is it now? So you know, I uh, at the end of my active addiction, sad as it may sound, I think I kind of resigned myself to the fact that I was going to die with a needle in my arm on the side of the road in Hartford. Like I really think that I like almost accepted that fact in a very sad way, and. Um, you know, I ended up this time around when I when I got clean four and a half years ago, um, ending up in the prison system. And I remember laying in my bunk, looking up at the concrete ceiling, thinking there's no way I'm coming back from this. My parents want nothing to do with me. I can't talk to my daughter. I literally have the clothes on my back, and, and I'm spiritually bankrupt. That's what it came down to. And, um, you know, I... I Every year when I celebrate and they ask you how you do it at meetings, like, I'm reminded that, like, part of the reason, the part of the way that I think that I've stayed clean is by remembering that moment because looking at my life, is it's like night and day. Um, I have a home that I 
pay my rent and I uh, maintain and I tuck my daughter into bed every night and I get to go to bed and like thank God for another day. Um, I've been employed at the same job for the entire time I've been clean and I don't lie and I don't and they trust me you know they trust me and um, I'm really blessed for that I've become employable I'm I've met some people in the rooms that like my best friend reunified with her kids six months before me so I rode her coattails through that whole process and like you know there's something that bonds you when you're going through that process because it's so emotionally taxing and like you're struggling with guilt and hope and all these emotions that are like overwhelming you and I was grateful like I have an awesome relationship with a sponsor who I can go to with the same insanity over and over again and she doesn't judge me for it it's just kind of like okay where do we go from here I have a very fulfilling life. Like, I, my life is amazing. Um, I remember for a long time waking up in the morning being angry at God for waking me up because life was just too hard and I was tired of surviving it. And now I wake up and I'm grateful and I'm ready to live the day. And um, I never in my life thought this was going to be the way life turned out for me, but I'm so grateful that it is. You know, and isn't it interesting, Lisa, and what I hear from um, Jennifer is... You know, a lot of people give it a lot of tries, but you've got to find the right fit. And it sounds like for Jennifer, the Halley House was that. It gave her everything she needed at the time that she needed it. You know, those other facilities may have planted a seed, right, Jennifer? But, Mm -hmm. you know, the seed wasn't ready to grow until you got exactly what you needed. So how important is it that there's a program now designed? And so... Halley House is still there oh, and yeah, it's still you know thriving. started since 1991 and I'm sure Jennifer's success story isn't the only one. You know I'm still in touch with um, four out of the um, eight women in the house from the first uh, program who's do- who they're still clean and sober and their kids are you know in their 20s they're all they're all doing well they all left abusive relationships they're working i'm in you know they're i you know they stay in contact with me i'm really grateful for that um and we've had thousands of women since then we also have um in groton connecticut mother's retreat which is the sister program to halley house it's the same program you know basically the same program they you know we do the same thing out there etc with the amazing staff um and those a lot of those staff have been there you know with me from day one um and they're doing the same great work and so everyone who's listening out there listen to jennifer's story we need more treatment for women and their children period don't be judgmental if any one of our listeners heard the stories of like jennifer's and things that went on they would understand why it is so important that women have gender specific training because we are complex as women we take on think yes we take on (laughs) superwoman roles yeah right Mm -hmm. and we need programs that break the barriers down so that women like jennifer get a second chance and are able to be um positive caring loving mothers they're giving back to society and communities and isn't that what we need to do i mean you're i could talk about this for hours because I know. this is my passion yes yeah. women in recovery it is i mean i love the work connection does i think it's all wonderful but i have to say that this is where my heart has been and it will always stay here because and i'm I lo- so grateful and i love the fact too that jennifer you know you talked about the fact that you've got a job that you've had 
ever since you got Fantastic. ever since you got clean. And that's the other message here, is that there's so many good people out there that have a disease. Right. You know, I mean, I'm fortunate that after I got straight, I still have my own business to come back to. I didn't lose that. But to give these people a chance that are really working towards life and just wanting to be a productive member of society, if someone said to you, Jennifer, well, we can't hire you because you've been incarcerated, or we can't hire you because, you know, you've got a history of drug use, I mean, where would you be today? You know, regardless of support that you get, once you're out there, you need that. But I... And I just think, Jennifer, you're so inspiring and you're just, I mean, I feel like you gave me something, a walk away today just for me and my soul and the work that we're doing, that I'm doing and what I believe in. You're just, you know, reinforcing the need that we need to have programs that so many folks out there are in crisis and that's why we're here at The Connection. And to hear you talk about the program and Michelle... I love Michelle. Oh, yeah. Michelle Giardina, if you're listening, we love you out there. So, who's the director there right now? She she's a, she's amazing. She is such an amazing person that I'm so I, like God put her in my life for a reason, and I'm above, above anything else. I'm so grateful for her and the role that she's played in my life. I'm so really happy to hear that the staff, you know, the staff that work there really take the this work seriously. They really care about the clients that come in. They understand what the issues are. Most of them, you know, are parents, so they understand that. You know, we build these great bonds even with the children, and um, what the magic that goes on there. I'm so glad that the magic. It's not really magic. It's like you said, something like a feeling there that just is inspirational and provides hope. And that's part of what you need. And that's part of what you need. I mean, Jennifer, I'm sure for you, knowing, as Lisa mentioned, that you're in a safe environment, you're in a neighborhood, you know, you're in a home with, you know, knowing that, you know, your child isn't in somebody else's hands. And, you know, because I don't know about you, but a newborn, you know, just having a baby and then you know, having that over your head, not knowing where they're at or if they're okay, I don't think I could stay in a house with without that kind of comfort, knowing my, my child is there, children are there. I also want to mention, if you're looking for information on the Halley House or any of the other programs at The Connection, you can go to their website at theconnectioninc.org. That's all one word, theconnectioninc.org. Or they also have a helpline, and that number is 855 435 7955 and uh, if you leave a message there someone will get back to you um you know as soon as they as soon as they can so we've got just a few minutes here jennifer what's your what's your leave behind if you will for our listeners today because we do like to share courage strength and hope and yours is a story of just that what do you want people out there whether they are suffering themselves or know somebody what's your best piece of advice to someone who's been through it been there done that I think it's basically that there's always hope. Even in the midst of uh, feeling extremely hopeless and desperate, there is hope. Um, You know, I have to believe that God kept me alive to carry the message to the still sick and suffering addict. Like, I have to believe that because there were women whose stories of hope inspired me to stay, you know? So I think that, like, you know, they say in the fellowship, we keep what we have by giving it away, and I'm a firm believer in that. Um, I also think that, like, there's ways to... um, you know, the decisions that we make, like, we have to remember that we are sick people. We're not bad mm-hmm. people. And, you know, I, I sponsor women now who have the same um, struggles that I have and still have. And I think that Lisa mentioned it. Like, a lot of us come from abusive relationships and situations like that. And I think that 
at the end of the day, we need to be empowered and we need to work on ourselves and um, gain the self-esteem that we need to realize that we're better than dealing with that um, and kind of, uh, kind of hold ourselves up instead of leaning on other people to do so. And that's, that's a learned, learned thing. Like, I had to learn how to do that. And um, it was with help of some incredible women in my life that kind of hold me up when I can't do it myself. That's a great point, um, Jennifer. And the other thing is sometimes I can speak from experience. The people around you are fed up. Your support, your family, your mm-hmm. people that love you. But the good news is there's other help out there. And if you get the help and you get back on your feet, chances are those people will take you back because they know that you you're working at it you know they know that you're trying to change and you're trying to deal with your addiction so again i want to give out the um helpline number to the connection 855-435-7955 and when you uh leave this conversation today i just want you to know jennifer um you were one of our more inspirational guests on the show and i i applaud you for your courage and your openness and for your um and for your recovery and sharing your story. Thank you for spreading thank, you, so thank you for spreading hope and thank you for being an amazing role model to all of those women right now who are in recovery and who may hear the show and realize that there is someone and there is hope and that there's not only hope but that there's services available. Absolutely. And thanks especially to our listeners for tuning in to this edition of the connection right here on WTIC News Talk ten eighty. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.